Chapter 13 of Tarzan the Untamed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Wilsius. Tarzan the Untamed by Edgar Burroughs. Chapter 13 Usanga's Reward. For two days, Tarzan of the Apes had been hunting leisurely to the north, and swinging in a wide circle, he had returned to within a short distance of the clearing where he had left Bertha Kircher and the young lieutenant. He had spent the night in a large tree that overhung the river only a short distance from the clearing, and now in the early morning hours he was crouching at the water's edge waiting for an opportunity to capture Pissah the fish, thinking that he would take it back with him to the hut where the girl could cook it for herself and her companion. Motionless as a bronze statue was the wily ape-man, for well he knew how wary is Pissah the fish. The slightest movement would frighten him away, and only by infinite patience might he be captured at all. Tarzan depended upon his own quickness and the suddenness of his attack, for he had no bait or hook. His knowledge of the ways of the denizens of the water told him where to wait for Pissah. It might be a minute, or it might be an hour before the fish would swim into the little pool above which he crouched, but sooner or later one would come. That the ape-man knew, so with the patience of the beast of prey he waited for his quarry. At last there was a glint of shiny scales. Pissah was coming. In a moment he would be within reach and then with the swiftness of light two strong brown hands would plunge into the pool and seize him. But, just as the moment that the fish was about to come within reach, there was a great crashing in the underbrush behind the ape-man. Instantly Pissah was gone, and Tarzan, growling, had wheeled about to face whatever creature might be menacing him. The moment that he turned, he saw that the author of the disturbance was Zhu Tang. "'What does Zhu Tang want?' asked the ape-man. "'Zhu Tang comes to the water to drink,' replied the ape. "'Where is the tribe?' asked Tarzan. They are hunting for pasangs and scimitines farther back in the forest, replied Zutang. And the Tarmangani, she and bull, asked Tarzan. Are they safe? They have gone away, replied Zutang. Kudu has come out of his lair twice since they left. Did the tribe chase them away, asked Tarzan. No, replied the ape. We did not see them go. We do not know why they left. Tarzan swung quickly through the trees toward the clearing. The hut and Bomo were as they had left them, but there was no sign of either the man or the woman. Crossing the clearing, he entered the boma and then the hut. Both were empty, and his trained nostrils told him that they had been gone for at least two days. As he was about to leave the hut, he saw a paper pinned upon the wall with a sliver of wood, and taking it down he read, After what you told me about Miss Kircher, and knowing that you dislike her, I feel that it is not fair to her and to you that we should impose longer upon you. I know that our presence is keeping you from continuing your journey to the west coast, and so I have decided that it is better for us to try and reach the white settlements immediately without imposing further upon you. We both thank you for your kindness and protection. If there was any way that I might repay the obligation I feel, I should be only too glad to do so. It was signed by Lieutenant Harold Percy Smith Oldwick. Tarzan shrugged his shoulders, crumpled a note in his hand, and tossed it aside. He felt a certain sense of relief from responsibility, and was glad that they had taken the matter out of his hands. They were gone and would forget, but somehow he could not forget. He walked out across the boma and into the clearing. He felt uneasy and restless. Once he started toward the north in response to a sudden determination to continue his way to the west coast. He would follow the winding river toward the north a few miles, where its course turned to the west, and then on toward its source across the wooded plateau and up into the foothills and the mountains. Upon the other side of the range, he would search for a stream running downward toward the west coast, and thus following the rivers he would be sure of game and water in plenty. But he did not go far a dozen steps perhaps and he came to a sudden stop he is an englishman he muttered and the other is a woman they can never reach the settlements without my help i could not kill her with my own hands when i tried 
and if I let them go on alone, I will have killed her, just as surely as though I had run my knife into her heart. No, and again he shook his head. Tarzan of the Apes is a fool and a weak old woman, and he turned back toward the south. Manu the monkey had seen the two Tarmangani pass two days before. Chattering and scolding, he told Tarzan all about it. They had gone in the direction of the village of the Gomangani. That much had Manu seen with his own eyes. So the ape-man swung on through the jungle in a southerly direction, and though with no concentrated effort to follow the spore of those he trailed, he passed numerous evidences that they had gone this way. Faint suggestions of their scent spore clung lightly to leaf or branch or bowl that one or the other had touched, or in the earth of the trail their feet had trod, and where the way wound through the gloomy depth of dank forest, the impress of their shoes still showed occasionally in the damp mass of decaying vegetation that floored the way. An inexplicable urge spurred Tarzan to increasing speed. The same, still small voice that had chided him for having neglected them seemed constantly whispering that they were in dire need of him now. Tarzan's conscience was troubling him, which accounted for the fact that he had compared himself to a weak old woman. For the ape-man, reared in savagery and inured to hardships and cruelty, disliked to admit any of the gentler traits that in reality were his birthright. The trail made a detour to the east of the village of the Wamabos, and then returned to the wide elephant path nearer to the river, where it continued in a southerly direction for several miles. At last there came to the ears of the ape-man a peculiar, whirring, throbbing sound. For an instant he paused, listening intently. An aeroplane, he muttered, and hastened forward at greatly increased speed. When Tarzan of the Apes finally reached the edge of the meadowland where Smith Oldwick's plane had landed, he took in the entire scene in one quick glance and grasped the situation, although he could scarce give credence to the things he saw. Bound and helpless, the English officer lay upon the ground at one side of the meadow, while around him stood a number of the black deserters from the German command. Tarzan had seen these men before, and knew who they were. Coming toward him down the meadow was an aeroplane piloted by the black Usanga, and in the seat behind the pilot was the white girl, Bertha Kircher. How it befell that the ignorant savage could operate the plane, Tarzan could not guess, nor had the time in which to speculate upon the subject. His knowledge of Usanga, together with the position of the white man, told him that the black sergeant was attempting to carry off the white girl. Why he should be doing this, when he had her in his power, and had also captured and secured the only creature in the jungle who might wish to defend her, in so far as the black could know, Tarzan could not guess for he knew nothing of Usanga's twenty-four dream-wives, nor of the black's fear of the horrid temper of Naratu, his present mate. He did not know, then, that Usanga had determined to fly away with the white girl never to return, and to put so great a distance between himself and Naratu that the latter could never find him again. But it was this very thing that was in the black's mind, although not even his own warriors guessed it. He had told them that he would take the captive to a sultan of the north, and there obtain a great price for her, and that when he returned they should have some of the spoils. These things Tarzan did not know. All he knew was what he saw, a negro attempting to fly away with a white girl. Already the machine was slowly leaving the ground. In a moment more it would rise swiftly out of reach. At first Tarzan thought of fitting an arrow to his bow and slaying Usanga, but as quickly he abandoned the idea, because he knew that the moment the pilot was slain the machine, running wild, would dash the girl to death among the trees. There was but one way in which he might hope to secure her, a way which if he failed must send him to instant death, and yet he did not hesitate in an attempt to put it into execution. Usanga did not see him, being too intent upon the unaccustomed duties of a pilot. But the blacks across the meadow saw him, and they ran forward with loud and savage cries, and menacing rifles to intercept him. 
they saw a giant white man leap from the branches of a tree to the turf and race rapidly toward the plain they saw him take a long grass rope from about his shoulders as he ran they saw the noose swinging in an undulating circle above his head they saw the white girl in the machine glance down and discover him twenty feet above the running ape-man soared the huge plane the open noose shot up to meet it and the girl half guessing the ape-man's intentions reached out and caught the noose and bracing herself clung tightly to it with both hands simultaneously tarzan was dragged from his feet and the plane lurched sideways in response to the new strain usanga clutched wildly at the control and the machine shot upward at a steep angle dangling at the end of the rope the ape-man swung pendulum-like in space the englishman lying bound upon the ground had been a witness of all these happenings his heart stood still as he saw tarzan's body hurtling through the air toward the treetops among which it seemed he must inevitably crash but the plane was rising rapidly so that the beast-man cleared the topmost branches then slowly hand over hand he climbed toward the fuselage the girl clinging desperately to the noose strained every muscle to hold the great weight dangling at the lower end of the rope usanga all unconscious of what was going on behind him drove the plane higher and higher into the air tarzan glanced downward below him the treetops and the river passed rapidly to the rear and only a slender grass rope and the muscles of a frail girl stood between him and the death yawning there thousands of feet below it seemed to bertha kircher that the fingers of her hands were dead the numbness was running up her arms to her elbows how much longer could she cling to the straining strands she could not guess it seemed to her that those lifeless fingers must relax at any instant and then when she had about given up hope she saw a strong brown hand reach up and grasp the side of the fuselage instantly the weight upon the rope was removed and a moment later tarzan of the apes raised his body above the side and threw a leg over the edge he glanced forward at usanga and then placing his mouth close to the girl's ear he cried have you ever piloted a plane the girl nodded a quick affirmative have you the courage to climb up there beside the black and seize the control while i take care of him the girl looked toward usanga and shuddered yes she replied but my feet are bound tarzan drew his hunting knife from its sheath and reaching down severed the thongs that bound her ankles then the girl unsnapped the strap that held her to her seat with one hand tarzan grasped the girl's arm and steadied her as the two crawled slowly across the few feet which intervened between the two seats a single slight tip of the plane would have cast them both into eternity tarzan realized that only through a miracle of chance could they reach usanga and effect the change in pilots and yet he knew that that chance must be taken for in the brief moments since he had first seen the plane he had realized that the black was almost without experience as a pilot and that death surely awaited them in any event should the black sergeant remain at the control the first intimation usanga had that all was not well with him was when the girl slipped suddenly to his side and grasped the control and at the same instant steel-like fingers seized his throat a brown hand shot down with a keen blade and severed the strap about his waist and giant muscles lifted him bodily from his seat usanga clawed the air and shrieked but he was helpless as a babe far below the watchers in the meadow could see the aeroplane careening in the sky for with the change of control it had taken a sudden dive they saw it right itself and turning in a short circle return in their direction but it was so far above them and the light of the sun was so strong that they could see nothing of what was going on within the fuselage but presently lieutenant smith oldwick gave a gasp of dismay as he saw a human body plunge downward from the plane turning and twisting in midair it fell with ever-increasing velocity and the englishman held his breath as the thing hurtled toward them with a muffled thud it flattened upon the turf near the centre of the meadow 
and when at last the Englishman could gain the courage to again turn his eyes upon it, he breathed a fervent prayer of thanks, for the shapeless mass that lay upon the blood-stained turf was covered with an ebon hide. Usanga had reaped his reward. Again and again the plains circled above the meadow. The blacks, at first dismayed at the death of their leader, were now worked to a frenzy of rage and a determination to be avenged. The girl and the ape-man saw them gather in a knot about the body of their fallen chief. They saw, as they circled above the meadow, the black fists shaken at them, and the rifles brandishing a menace toward them. Tarzan still clung to the fuselage directly behind the pilot's seat. His face was close beside Bertha Kircher's, and at the top of his voice, above the noise of the propeller, engine, and exhaust, he screamed a few words of instruction into her ear. As the girl grasped the significance of his word, she paled. But her lips set in a hard line, and her eyes shone with a sudden fire of determination as she dropped the plane to within a few feet of the ground and at the opposite end of the meadow from the blacks, and then at full speed bore down upon the savages. So quickly the plane came that Ursanga's men had no time to escape it after they realized its menace. It touched the ground just as it struck among them and mowed through them, a veritable juggernaut of destruction. When it came to rest at the edge of the forest, the ape-man leaped quickly to the ground and ran toward the young lieutenant, and as he went he glanced at the spot where the warriors had stood, ready to defend himself if necessary. But there was none there to oppose him. Dead and dying, they lay strewn for fifty feet along the turf. By the time Tarzan had freed the Englishman, the girl joined them. She tried to voice her thanks to the ape-man, but he silenced her with a gesture. "'You saved yourself,' he insisted. "'For had you been unable to pilot the plane, I could not have helped you. And now,' he said, "'you two have the means of returning to the settlements. The day is still young. You can easily cover the distance in a few hours if you have sufficient petrol.' He looked inquiringly toward the aviator. Smith Oldwick nodded his head affirmatively. "'I have plenty,' he replied. "'Then go at once,' said the ape-man. "'Neither of you belong in the jungle.' A slight smile touched his lips as he spoke. The girl and the Englishman smiled too. "'This jungle is no place for us, at least,' said Smith Oldwick. "'And it is no place for any other white man. Why don't you come back to civilization with us?' Tarzan shook his head. "'I prefer the jungle,' he said. The aviator dug his toe into the ground, and still looking down, blurted something which he evidently hated to say. "'If it is a matter of living, old top,' he said, "'or money, or, you know,' Tarzan laughed. "'No,' he said. I know what you are trying to say. It is not that. I was born in the jungle. I have lived all my life in the jungle. And I shall die in the jungle. I do not wish to live or die elsewhere. The others shook their heads. They could not understand him. Go, said the ape-man. The quicker you go, the quicker you will reach safety. They walked to the plane together. Smith Oldwick pressed the ape-man's hand and clambered into the pilot's seat. Goodbye, said the girl as she extended her hand to Tarzan. Before I go... "'Won't you tell me you don't hate me any more?' Tarzan's face clouded. Without a word he picked her up and lifted her to her place behind the Englishman. An expression of pain crossed Bertha Kircher's face. The motor started, and a moment later the two were being borne rapidly toward the east. In the center of the meadow stood the ape-man watching them. "'It is too bad that she is a German and a spy,' he said, "'for she is very hard to hate.'" End of chapter 13 Recording by Jeff Wilsius